Welcome, Rink Rats, to this Blackhawks Hockey Ringcast episode 15, exclusively sponsored by the premium hockey outfitters at puckhockey.com. That's P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. And make sure you use the discount code THERINK to get 10% off on all of your orders. Uh, John and I recently both got shipments of some really nice puck hockey gear. So uh, you're going to be seeing some photos of all that coming up soon. So we want to thank the people at puckhockey.com for that. So anyway. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Uh, Today is Thursday, February 15th, 2017. And I am Jeff Osborne, better known across the interwebs as Gatekeeper. What's up, jerks? I'm joined by my good friend, co-host, and fellow grumpy old guy, Mr. John Jekyll. Hello, sir. Hiya. Hiya, hiya, hiya. Hiya, hiya. Seriously, hiya. these potato heads have to be the unsexiest mob of all time. And together with Mr. Mario Terabasi, which we'll hear, you will hear a little later, we are all your most trusted sources at the newest online hockey hangout, the-rink.com. So here we are, guys. We're, uh, this is an in-game Rink cast. Uh, the Blackhawks just started. They're about three minutes into their their game with the Ducks tonight. And uh, let's see, the, the Blackhawks made a trade, which we will talk about a little later. But there's a lot of stuff going on. So uh, indeed, yeah, we have a lot of stuff to talk about. Or well, I, we have a lot of bitching to talk about. I think. Yeah, we have that. We always yeah. have that, though. Yeah, we 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 have that. But you know, well, I look like an idiot thinking that in hindsight. <laughs> Thank you, Mister <laughs> Lazarus. Man, this guy's freaking delusional. <laughs> so brand new sound clips added to the soundboard f- from our from our boy uh mr laz my buddy my good friend but uh so Indeed. anyway the blackhawks have lost seven in a row uh i would assume they're gonna lose one tonight they're on the power play right now which they are now fum- fumbling up but and uh, the puck's in their end yeah <sighs> uh the record right now they are under 500 at 24 25 and 8 and uh, what do we got here, John? Or what don't we have? Oh, uh, chances in the playoffs? <laughs> yeah, uh, we haven't had that in a while. Contrary Here, this is contrary to the beliefs of what some people wanted to feed us. This is what your chances of the playoffs are right now. Ugh. <laughs> uh, uh. I don't know. It's, you know, it's, it's different. It's, it's, it's certainly different this time of year um, being in this position. And um, I think it's going to be a really boring April and May though. Oh, it's going to be tough. Oh, it is. I mean, just like last year, uh, you know, we didn't expect it to end so soon. We were expecting a long run with the record and all that other garbage. And then all of a sudden it was over with, it was like, it was so completely unexpected. Now this we've had now, an entire month where they didn't look all that well. And it was like, there's a possibility they won't make the playoffs. And now we're into February and it's like all but 99.9% that they won't make the playoffs. So we've got time to actually prepare and mourn before the season ends with this team. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, if you just look at what they're doing, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, the Jeff Glass experience is now over with, thank God. Yeah. But uh, I don't, you know, the JF Berube experience isn't going to be any better. Oh, so, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it, it's we, not going to equate much more than a win, maybe. We got Forsberg in that tonight, who's... Uh, Who just turned the puck over behind the net and almost gave up a goal. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I, the the poor kid. I mean, it's, it's it's like you know, after this whole thing with glass and the back and forth. I mean, I, I don't know. It's like you couldn't you couldn't like plan to ruin a goalie's mind better than than they've done with him. But uh, yeah, we'll see. This is it's just the whole thing is. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I don't think Crawford's going to play again this year. I don't. I... I don't think there's any choice to, uh, to to put him back in the lineup. I think that you have to sit him. It yeah. doesn't gain you anything. I said this the other day, and and uh, like when uh, they waved glass, and I said, if this organization really wants to put a player that quote that may or may not have a head injury, um, they want to they want to put him back into the lineup this year for what? You don't gain anything. You're, you're you you may get a couple points. You're not making the playoffs. You could ruin your draft. Uh, you know, your draft chances in in the lottery, there's no, you know, and then on top of that, you risk him, you know, having a career ending injury, you know, if he gets, a, if he gets hit in the head one be. more time, yeah. it, it doesn't make any sense to, to even entertain that. It should just be, he's done, sit him. It stop yeah. all the speculation, stop feeding the meatballs, all this, you know, all this crap about Crawford, because even if he comes back, they are not going on a run where they're going to make it in the playoffs. He's going no. to be rusty, and, and you don't know what you're going to get. He hasn't even seen real shots yet. He's seen, he's seen a couple in practice, but not you know it's been in a controlled environment. So I don't know. I mean, it would make absolutely no sense. No, no, it, it would make no sense at all. I mean. It, one move that I did like uh, that we saw was, um, you know, they brought up they brought up a player from Rockford in Carl Dahlstrom that, you know, earned the you know earned himself a chance to play in the NHL. He made the All Star team. He's been one of the best defensemen in Rockford. He's a young player. He's got good size. And they brought him up when Jan Ruda went on, you know, went on I- IR. Now, Jan Rude is going to be coming back, and I don't know what they're going to do, but they've been giving, you know, uh, Dahlstrom a pretty good chance out there. He's been playing with Connor Murphy. He played a while with uh, Duncan Keith the other night. So they're they're getting him out on the ice. And uh, while he's there not been flashy. Big, big number 63. Yeah. Yeah, they got to do something about that number. call me Kelly Dahlstrom. Yeah, they need to do something about that number for sure because uh, that, that, yeah, it's that, like him and Mike Ribeiro are the only sixty threes in the league. Yeah, I, I see sixty three, and I think Jay Hilgenberg, and that's that's how <laughs> that's what that throws me back to. Yeah, I think Wally Hilgenberg. <laughs> That'll take you back, buddy. Yeah, you, uh, just just when I start feeling old, John, you you trump me. I can, yeah, I can, that's easy. That's <laughs> easy. So, well, I can do. Yeah. So since since the last time we recorded, the uh, the Blackhawks lost five games, which was uh, to the Flames, the Stars, Minnesota, Arizona, which at that at that point it didn't even come as a shock to anyone. And then uh, they lost to Vegas, and we'll see what happens with against the Ducks tonight. But the you know the Ducks are starting to trend in the right direction. So. Uh, I mean, the Flames, that was, uh, oh, God. I mean, I don't want to take people back too far, but I was at that game, and that was the game where the Blackhawks had a goal taken away, uh, you know, through a re- uh, replay, and then they had a, a goal that should have been taken away. Uh, the Flames goal should have been taken away for a high stick, and they got that one wrong as well. 
Yeah. So, and that ended up costing them the game. I mean, they got they got a goal taken away, and they got you know an actual one put on the board, and that that basically lost them the game. Uh, Debrinket uh, scored a goal, and Kane. Uh, they've been scoring on the power play, but uh, it's not because they've actually been looking all that great. It's just because basically people get fed up and start shooting. Uh, mainly Debrinket, to be honest with you. Yeah. But the, and you know that's what they should do when when things aren't working. Just simplify it. So, yep. You know. I don't know. They're snake bit. I you know they're it's they really. I think it was you who said this to me that they that they really look like how they looked in the um they look like how they looked in the uh, um, playoffs last year. Just completely snake bit. No confidence at all as a team. And uh, that's how they look right now. They just they can't seem to do anything right, and um, uh, a lot of things have been falling apart. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting the psychology of this team, and you know that's that's kind of in a lot of sports, and I think it's true in hockey too. When you've got a lot of young players, the psychology can go bad really fast because they don't have that experience, um, you know, to kind of be able to roll with it. But it's not like the young guys are, are the problem. I mean, they're the only young guys, other than Tommy Wingles, are the only ones who are producing. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. So, um, you know, the cat just went down on his butt. <laughs> I'm a little delayed here because I'm watching it streaming through my iPad. So. Yeah, me too. You, yeah, you're gonna. Uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna be. They're a on the power behind. play. Yeah. Um, but it's not looking real good. Oh, there it goes out. Yep. Yep. So, well, now, now Seabrook's in the box. Yeah. So that uh, negated that. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so then they lost to the Stars four uh, two. Tazen and Nisimov scored. Uh, they blew. Uh, you know, they went up one nothing, and then uh, the, once Dallas tied the game, the the, the Hawks never recovered. Uh, Minnesota, they got shut out three to nothing. That was uh, Blackhawks looked extremely uninterested, even though they uh, they had you know they had a lot of shots on net. Uh, they were a lot of perimeter shots. They were. Uh, they were, it was probably the the least uh uh i should say the um the sh- they, they weren't uh threatening shots i i should say they were the least threatening shots that that i've seen for, uh, this team take and and it was 44 of them so um and then they lost 6-1 to Arizona which was a complete nightmare uh, Forsberg started, was pulled after giving up three goals on 13 shots. Then Glass came in and gave up three goals on nine shots. Uh, the Lone Hawks goal was by, again, the cat. The cat, my friend. Your buddy, the cat. Yeah. I'm dumb. Okay, thank you. Uh, <laughs> the Hawks uh, outshot their opponent once again, 38-22, <laughs> and uh, they lost big. And then uh, losing to Vegas, which, you know, Vegas being one of the top teams in the league at this point, that wasn't a big shock. Uh, Glass was a net, gave up five goals and 37 shots. Wingles with a power play goal, which is, you know, yeah, which is, you know, uh, it is what it is. <laughs> Having Tommy Wingles on the power play, and I know I know our boy Aaron uh, likes, you know, his, his likes his grit and... Uh, you know, he likes Lance Boma and uh, Tommy Wingles, but those guys should not be on the power play. And it's not that we have any hate towards Lance Boma or Tommy Wingles because those are two of the only guys that are uh, 
that are, you know, actually looking like they give a shit. But um, it's the fact that we're mad at the rest of the players because they are not competing and they're forcing Joe Quenville to put players like Wingles and Boma on the power play. I, you know, and it's funny. I mean, there's a lot that Quenville has done this season that kind of defies explanation. Uh, yeah. But, you know, that one, actually, I get it. It's He's sending a message to the other guys. He's like, you know, these clowns, these fourth liners are the ones who are competing, and they're going to they're gonna get the power play time. Um, yeah. And, I, you know, it, it's a bit extreme, and certainly when the team's not doing well, the last thing you want to see is Lance Bohm on a power play. But uh, I actually kind of get the psychology of it from a coaching standpoint. Um, and why the heck not? Because, you know, um, Thirty million in salary out there on the power play isn't doing crap. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, exactly. You know, uh, and and and, anyway. and really, you you put Wingles out there, and the first game that he's out there on the power play, he scores a power play goal. I mean, it was it didn't take any skill. You know, he just kind of redirected something in front of the net, but that's more than anyone else has been doing. It's more than Brandon Sad's been doing. It's more than anyone else has been doing in front of that net. So, you know, right. more power to him. No, I mean, I don't know. You know, it's 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 a another little sidelight in a you know, season full of uh strange um narratives and um goings on, you know. Yeah. So I mean, you know, Boma got an assist on the power play, Wingle's got a goal on the power play. Good, more power to him. It's not yeah. that we hate the guys, it's just you know, they're guys, they're fourth line guys that should not right. be on the power play because really they're just not power play type players. They're you know, depth players that are out there to, you know, bump and grind and, and they're not supposed to be offensive, uh, de- you know, dependent on to right. play in offensive situations like, like the power play, but the Blackhawks have been so bad on the power play and really so bad overall, as far as shooting goes, why not? Who cares? You know, Tommy Wingles on the, you know, playing first line for the team that he grew up, uh, you know, watching. Oh, Sure. Great. That's fine. You know, uh, so, but anyway, uh, with that, 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 uh, Vegas game, it was, uh, the Hawks went up one, nothing. They went up two to one and they went up three to one and then blew it in the third period, giving up four goals. That's just a team that it's, it's, they white knuckle it. It's when, when something happens, like, uh, you know, like they give up a couple goals. And this isn't something that that we've seen from this Blackhawks team, or at least from the core, where if something happens, they start to panic and it's like, oh, oh no, no, it's going to happen again. It's going to happen again. Oh, no, no. Here it goes. We're going to lose it. Like, they were so confident. It was like, oh, it's just one goal. We'll just, you know, it, it'll just flow right off of our uh, shoulders. But it's not like that anymore. It's because especially with the goaltending, I think uh, Forsberg and... Uh, in uh glass like it's like oh no it's happening again oh no it's happening again every time and uh you can't go in with that kind of mentality and expect to be able to hold leads and especially what it seemed to give up as many shots as they give up so yeah um watching i'm watching the game now uh just kind of been back and forth between the game and and talking and um Forsberg's been uh, they've they put some some shots on him so far. He's, he made a, made one really nice save. Yeah, he's a little uh, 
all over the place. He was out of his net pretty far at one point. Yeah. But uh, he's been good so far, knock wood. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they, and, and you know, we'll, we'll, I think we'll, we'll kind of talk more about the, the your organizational stuff a little bit later that we were going to, yes. we were kind of teasing. I think we'll do that after we speak with Mario, but um, yeah, it's just, it's ugly out there. What, what, what we've been watching, it's, we're already planning a funeral, <laughs> really. It's, yeah. uh, and we, we still, and I was saying today on, on Twitter, like I'm going out to Denver to watch him play at the end of uh, March, one of the last games of the season. And, uh, like, I don't even care about the game. Honestly, if I hadn't already bought tickets, I might not even buy tickets, but, uh, I already got tickets. So I'm going to, I'm going to tough it out and go to the game and, and just enjoy it. But, uh, it's not really worth it to be honest with you. So, so, well, um, we talked about Carl Dahlstrom being called up Corey Crawford. We, we think he should be shut down. Um, Jeff Glass uh, was waived, sent down to Rockford, and then Jeff Bruby was brought up, which is, you know, I, I don't, it, I don't know why anyone thought that the move was going to be any different, but that, you know, that's what it is. So we're gonna until until Croy Crawford comes back, or if Croy Crawford comes back, which we hope, actually at this point we we hope he doesn't. It's going to be the Anton Forsberg and Jeff Bruby show. So. Well, with that said, I don't want to uh, belabor too long this trade thing, so let's uh, take a couple minutes to talk to Mario about the trade that happened, and then we'll come right back, and John and I will talk about some organizational stuff, and uh, and then we'll wrap this thing up for the night. So today, uh, of course, as it always happens, uh, in the afternoon as I'm driving home, and as John's not near his computer either, the Blackhawks announced a trade, which was uh, Billy Polka was sent to Ottawa for... Former Blackhawk, former Ice Hog, Chris DiDomenico, who uh, is coming back. Uh, it's just a depth move. But uh, we thought we'd bring on our boy from Rockford, our Rockford correspondent, Mr. Mario Terabasi, so he could uh, speak on this. So uh, what do you think, Mario? What do you think of this whole thing? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, like you said, it's a depth move. Um, you know, neither player was, uh, well, at least for, for Polka's sake, um, you know, it didn't seem like it was going to be in the cards for him to uh, be a part of the Blackhawks uh, moving forward. He's, you know, he was acquired in, in October of 2014 as part of the uh, the Nick Letty trade. And, you know, aside from a few call-ups, which amounted to nothing, he still has yet to make his, his NHL regular season debut uh, as a professional. So, um, you know, it just didn't seem like the Blackhawks had the – confidence or, or the plan to you know really make him a, a part of the defensive group moving forward um you know his time with the ice hogs is you know he's he's played the most uh games as a defenseman uh all time for for rockford so i mean that's that, that counts for something he's a record holder um, and he was yeah. A, yeah i mean he was always productive uh at the ahl level it's just you know with with, with chicago he just never was able to consistently crack the roster um I think he'll be able to, to do that in Ottawa uh, by the end of this season, being that, um, you know, outside of really Eric Carlson, I don't think that their defensive group is anything to, uh, to ride home about. So he might be able to, uh, to, to get a shot there. Um, you know, I believe he was on an expiring contract. Um, not, not sure about uh, uh, Di Domenico's deal, what he, what he had with Ottawa. I can't imagine that it's, um, you know, 
anything longer than the rest of this season. Um, he's actually got some NHL games under his belt uh, this year. I think it was 24 games this year he played with Ottawa. Um, just a, 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 a depth forward move. Um, you know, I believe he's a centerman. So he'll go right to Rockford, um, you know, which, which is, I, I think, a good move for the Blackhawks organization as a whole. Um, you know, with, with Rockford, they had just way too many defensemen, uh, you know, rotating in and out. Um, you know, Cody Franz and Gustav Forsling are still both down there. Um, Adam Clendenning came back, and, you know, he's, he's been a part of the team still. Um, I think Franzen and Clendenning could be moved before the trade deadline. Um, I think that that might be, you know, options that, that Chicago could look at. Um, but, yeah, they just had just too many numbers. And um, Poca was, was still, again, one of the more uh, reliable defensemen that they had. But uh, it was just, you know, a numbers game. And um, I think that they probably got the most that they were going to get for him. Uh, I don't think anyone was going to give up any kind of pick that would be anything to write home about. So, um, you know, just getting another another veteran uh, veteran voice in the locker room for Rockford and, and D. Domenico, I think, is a good option, um, especially the last uh, couple of games. They haven't, uh, haven't been playing uh, up to snuff, and I think, uh, you know, Jeremy Collison has said uh, a couple times that, you know, he just – need to see more out of the group and you know this is a this is a Rockford team that's playing you know 10 11 12 rookies each night so um you know it's it's, it's never it's never a bad thing to get uh uh you know get a player that that's in the locker room that's been around for a while and you know knows knows the pro game and you know can help uh help guide some of the young guys so um other than that I mean it's 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 a it's a minor league deal and yeah um you know, it's, it's it's player for player. There's really no uh, no future uh, pieces to worry about in this one. I would be surprised if if D. Domenico was around in the organization after uh, this season. Yeah, he's uh, just to to clarify, you were bringing up his contract situation. He's he's 28 and he makes uh, 612,000, uh, and he's going to be UFA uh, at the end of the year. So, yeah. So, yeah, so it was, it was, you know, just a, a player for player and, you know, hope, uh, and you know what, with, with Billy Polka, he was always, um, you know, good in the, uh, in the, in, you know, in the Rockford community, good with the team. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't think he's uh, got anything, anything bad to say against the organization, maybe, uh, other than they, they never really gave him too much of a chance, but, um, you know, hopefully he, he can succeed in Ottawa and, um, you know, maybe, maybe get, uh, capitalized on a, on a, uh, roster that's kind of going through a similar transition, like, like Chicago trying to, trying to get back to, you know, Ottawa was just, uh, in the, in the conference finals. Um, and now they're trying to get back to it and they're not having a great season. So, no. uh, maybe they can give Polka a look and maybe he can take, take advantage of it. Maybe Polk will be the next Eric Carlson, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's the little lofty, I think. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I know, John. You got anything to add on the trade thing? I mean, I don't have much. Uh, no, I mean, it's just um, kind of interesting. I mean, you guys will recall, I 
tweeted a, a few weeks ago that the Hawks were talking to Ottawa about uh, Michael Kempney, and uh, it appears that they've been talking about something. And, yeah, uh, it turns out to be the the much maligned Billy Poca. Yeah. Um, and Mario, I think your assessment of the of the deal is pretty much spot on. Um, and you know, it's pretty, pretty low meaning, um, you know, type of type of deal. I think it's probably the Hawks as much as anything, just doing, doing Polka a favor and giving them a change of scenery and they know what they're getting in D Domenico. He's been with them before originally acquired by the Hawks for Christopher Stieg a few years ago, um, after the 2010, um, championship, um, in that summer, I believe. He yeah, he came over the, with uh, Victor Stahlberg. With the great, the yeah. once great Victor Stahlberg. The once great Victor um, Stahlberg. So, anyway, it is what it is. It's not that big of a deal, but I think it also indicates that the Hawks are starting to have some conversations and starting to, at least a little bit, is shaking loose. I'm, I am in the process, actually, of posting a blog that will uh, uh, report a couple of rumors I heard earlier today. And, uh, you know, nothing too earth shattering, but, uh, one involves another Eastern conference team. And, uh, then, um, some, some goings on within, uh, 1901 West Madison street that Kate and I were discussing today. So, Sweet. and we'll talk a little bit more about that in the, in the show. All right. Well, uh, Mario, I think if, uh, we, we could probably let you get back to what you're doing, but we appreciate you chiming in and giving us the lowdown. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Thank anytime. You, All right, man. Take care. All right, thanks to Mario for chiming in over the phone to uh, let us know a little bit on the Villa Poca and uh, Christy Domenico uh, escapades. <laughs> so anyway, um, you were actually uh, talking about that you were, you know, uh, when we were talking to Mario that uh, you've got some stuff you were going to talk about as far as like organizational stuff and, uh, you know, yeah, what's going on. Yeah, a couple things. Um... I did actually um, hear from a source this morning, a couple things. Um, you know, I actually heard from two people this morning, and I'm, I'm in the process, like I said, of posting a, a blog right now that'll talk about this in more detail. And both said kind of don't expect a lot at this trade deadline. Um, now, uh, you could argue that the Hawks kind of did something before the trade deadline today, although it's like pretty close to a meaningful, meaning, excuse me, meaning less trade. Um, but, uh, you know, they one said that the Hawks are kind of in listening mode. If somebody comes to them with a, an interesting offer, that's something they may look at. Um, he also mentioned um, that uh, they have had some conversations with um, one Eastern Conference team in particular that's in kind of a similar situation, and that team being the Montreal Canadiens. And he felt like there's a possibility there of uh, – so, uh, some some kind of a, a deal happening because both teams might be looking to shake up the chemistry of their teams, um, you know, not so much uh, in terms of the playoffs this year, but rather uh, looking forward to next year. So that's something to watch. Um, Hawks have done a lot of deals with Montreal um, and, uh, you know, um, in the past. And certainly there it, it would seem like if they wanted to do a, a quote-unquote value-for-value deal right now, um, it might make sense if uh, the right players were involved for both teams. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, something's going to happen. And uh, I was listening, uh, you know, to a quality podcast <laughs> other than the, uh, the rink cast. 
Um, hard to imagine. Yeah, I know. It is very, very hard to imagine. Man, this guy's freaking delusional. <laughs> Thanks, Laz, for speaking in or for jumping in on us. Um, but uh, our, our boy, Craig Custance, who we talked to, you know, at the beginning of the season, was yeah. talking about some things uh, as far as like, um, you know, buyers and, and sellers. And, uh, you know, it was the, the, the word out there that looked like there were only like five or six actual real sellers out there. Um, which then would mean that the market is going to be pretty competitive as far as selling goes, which is where yeah. the Blackhawks should be. And I don't, I don't even know. I, I didn't really finish it. I'm in the kind of in the middle of it, so I don't know if they consider the Blackhawks an actual seller. But they're certainly can't not going to be buyers. There's no reason to be a buyer unless you're going to get some kind of young talent, you know, kind of like a Duclair or something like that that you can then, right. you know, in the future, you know, right. uh, p- procure into something more. But um, right. something interesting that, um, that you and I have talked about before, and I think you're going to, you're going to find this interesting as well. And we haven't even talked about this yet, but I, I wanted to bring it up and it, it, it really like rung a bell in my head, which was, um, Craig Cousins was talking about, um, one of the guests, one of his friends, I, I forgot who he is, but, um, Frank, uh, Provenzano, I think his name is. Uh, who was, I think he was a GM or assistant GM with like Dallas and a couple other places. And he was talking about how um, making, making a mistake, like, you know, making a mistake on a trade, like, uh, you know, Stan has done, like say with uh, Dave, uh, David Runblad, making mm-hmm. a mistake and getting right out ahead of that and saying, Hey, I made a mistake seems uh, at least what Frank was telling him. And, and he's, I guess a pretty, you know, um, pretty experienced guy in the back office and stuff like that. And he's like, getting out ahead of that and admitting that you've made a mistake is, you know, has a better outcome than when you keep trying to pile on and fix the mistake by resigning, extending, hanging on to them too long, you know, forcing them into the lineup or whatever. And you know, that this is something that, that Stan Bowman really fails at. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, I, I've often said for a few years now that you know, all GMs make mistakes. The mark of a great GM is the ability to recognize it, correct a mistake. Um, you know, Dale Talon made mistakes. It's well, it's well documented. Um, and he made mistakes in Chicago. He made mistakes in Florida. But, you know, when, when Dale was in Chicago, for the most part, he was pretty good at recognizes, recognizing his mistakes and correcting them. Um, and, um, you know, in the process, I mean, he built a, a pretty darn good team by 2010. Um, I, I do think that Bowman has a tendency to kind of double down on his mistakes. Um, he's, he becomes very defiant. I'll give you a classic example. When they traded uh, Brandon Saad to, um, to Columbus for Artem Anisimov, he turns around and within three days, I think, gave Anisimov a pretty good deal. You know, for a guy who'd never really fully established himself as a full-time center in the NHL, um, because he's always been horrible on faceoffs, gave him a pretty good contract a full year before his his current deal was up, um, and that contract had had a no movement clause in it, and it, it just kind of felt like, you know, I'm I'm going to make this trade, and I'm I'm going to kind of um, you put know, my stamp put my, on sta- it. my own stamp yeah. of approval on it by by extending this guy a year before his current deal is up. And it's stuff like that that I think has gotten him in a little bit of trouble. You know, it's um, yeah, the Runblad thing is a really good example too, um, where he just 
keeps trying to kind of force the narrative and it just doesn't work, you know? Now, all that said, um, Bowman's become a very popular whipping boy in light of this season. Um, it's not like he hasn't done some really good things as GM too, um, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, one th- other thing that I heard today um, was that, um, and this was really interesting, was that the Hawks had, had quote-unquote hired another PR firm to handle the fallout from this season. Um, and I don't know whether that means a new PR firm to replace an, an old PR firm or if it's an additional PR firm brought in as kind of, you know, disaster management. Because, you know, the the reality of it is, is the Blackhawks are very, very, very highly sensitive to PR and uh, messaging out in the marketplace. Don't kid yourself. And, you know, like when you have Pierre Lebron reporting after the now infamous Thomas Yurko trade that the Hawks were after Yurko for six weeks. Believe me, that came from somebody in the front office to make that trade look good. Because in fact, they weren't after Yurko for six weeks. They were after Tomas Tatar and they settled for Yurko. But this is how the Hawks operate. So um, what I thought was interesting about this little nugget about the the PR firm and, and the, the, you know, the, the motivation behind it, that they want to manage the, you know, the messaging around this disaster of a season was, you know, it kind of goes hand in glove with Bowman saying last week that don't expect much change next year. The team will look much the same. Um, I, I really feel like the Hawks are in a position where they don't really have a lot of choices because of the contract situation um, and because they don't have a pipeline full of, of high-end prospects. Um, they're kind of stuck. Um, unless they're willing to really tear this thing down and rebuild it, uh, which will cost a lot of money. It'll cost Rocky Wirtz a lot of money to do that. And I think what they're going to try to do is they're going to try to kind of force the narrative and tell people everything's great. You know, it's sort of like Kevin Bacon in Animal House, you know, all is well. Um, (laughs) And I I don't, I don't know if it's going to work. I mean, you know, Blackhawk fans, uh, especially, you know, of the last 10 years or so, now, these are not the fans who have been around for 20, 30, 40 years. Uh, and they may go elsewhere really quickly when the bloom comes off this rose. And I, and I, I just, I just, it just feels like from everything I hear and read that most fans are highly skeptical right now. Um, it's not like last year's playoffs were not a huge disappointment. And then for this to happen this year, um, and especially after some controversial trades this summer, um, it just, I, I don't know that, sort of repackaging what, what the team is on the ice today and saying it's all going to be great next year. I don't know. I don't know if that's going to work. And, and, you know, they can push stories out into the media via sophisticated PR strategy and they will, um, don't kid yourself. Um, and, uh, you know, Bowman will have a sit down with certain writers and talk about Dylan Sakura and other prospects. And, you know, um, they'll talk about Crawford's injury derailing the season and, et cetera, et cetera. It's all going to be great next year. But um, I don't think it's going to go. I don't think it's going to go down quite, quite like they think it will. Well, I, I totally agree with you, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, That's for sure. And, 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 and it just, it, it's so such a different culture and a different generation. Like if you look back to say, you know, the, the how everyone, or at least people from like mine and your generation, looks back at like the 80s and early 90s Blackhawks like his legends like I blasted it all out 
Yeah, if you saw like some of these guys walking down the street, it was it's kind of this. It's kind of almost like the '85 Bears syndrome. Like those guys do no wrong. Like Mongo McMichael could could can run for mayor of Romeoville and almost win with no experience. It's like these guys are put up on a pedestal, right? From back then, in these this in these you know in this newer generation of fan, you have. Smarter fans, I think, that look that that look more into the game than just on the surface. Then he's a cool guy because I see him smiling on TV, kind of thing. They look more into what's going on. I think. I think you know what it is, is that there's a whole generation now of people under thirty who have been marketed to aggressively their whole lives. They've been marketed to aggressively via traditional media, and they've been marketed to aggressively now via digital channels, and. They they don't have a high BS tolerance this this latest generation and then you know the long term hawk fans you know the people who who go back to Dollar Bill and Mike oh, Smith God. I mean, you know I remember Mike Smith saying in two thousand three that you know when the Hawks were out of the playoffs and were terrible I like our team and I remember how frustrating it was to hear that from the GM of the team and what's the difference between that and what Bowman said last week nothing. This, this, um, this is it. I look like an idiot thinking that in hindsight. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Laz. <laughs> yeah, but go ahead. No, I just love that new soundboard. It just it works <laughs> on so many levels. Um, the Lazamaniacs, baby. <laughs> I'm dumb. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that might be my favorite. Anyway, um, no, and I, I think that I, I just think that. Um, you know, it's just it's a it's a funny thing. You know, when things are going well, all the one goal and um, all the marketing and and messaging that the team did, which was highly successful, it's it's an easy sell. When when things aren't going well, um, it's a it's a much harder it's a much harder uh, thing to fix. Yeah. And um, the bottom line is is that you know corporate sponsors and fans. Um, you know, they have other things they can do with their money in the winter, like, like, for example, the Chicago Bulls. And um, I don't know this. I, th- I just think this team is may, this strategy may not work. And then they're going to and then they have to ma- may have to make some really hard decisions about what to do, you know, with these contracts and with this team. And um, at the end of the day, like I said on my blog this morning, the bottom line is the bottom line. It's there's a lot of money wrapped up in this. Yeah. And I, I, I understand from a financial standpoint why they would want to kind of stay the course and hope it turns around next year. But the only thing I can say, and I say this as a fan, is isn't that what they asked us to do last year after that disastrous first round sweep by Nashville? They, they asked us to believe because they they had such a great regular season record that that playoff run was just an aberration and they just needed a tweak or two and everything was going to be fine. And what happened? And you know what? They can argue about Jalmerson and Panarin, et cetera. Uh, you know, if, if Panarin's around, this is still a one-line team. Yeah. You or know, even, or, or, or let's say, you know, Saad works out. It's still right. the same. Yeah, I mean, it's not that Or Or Connor Murphy is, you know, is the next Jalmerson. Still, those two, you know, working out, or, you know, Forsberg being the next Scott Darling, I still don't think it makes that much of a difference with this team. No, you know, so, I mean, they, they, they had a lot of big question marks and, and I went, uh, I, you know, I went on the, uh, the three, one, two podcast and I said, my, I don't know, my prediction might be, you know, what third in their division, 
but if if the wheels fall off, they could not make the playoffs, and here they are. Wheels have fallen off, and they're not going to make the playoffs. So, yep, that's what happened. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's – but, uh, you know, on top of this, and like, like kind of like you were saying, like – They've, you know, they, they, they build this as a premium sports franchise, blah, blah, blah. And then they, they raise all the ticket prices and they do all these things. Well, t- people are not going to spend a hundred dollars a ticket to come out and watch some team that is just average. People have no, better things not. to do I mean, with their money in this city. Just look at the resale prices. They're, they're plummeting. Yeah. Anyone uh-huh. who's got, uh, you know, season tickets now are considered, they were, that was the most coveted thing in the city of Chicago was Blackhawks season tickets for a while other than like Cubs maybe. But the Blackhawks season tickets were the most coveted thing. There was a waiting list. There was, you know, you had to wait forever. Now you're regularly seeing people going, you know what? I'm not re-upping next year. I'm not paying this money because for one, I can't afford it in the first place. And then for two, people were reselling these tickets to, you know, recoup what they could, the, the tickets they couldn't make or whatever. And, uh, they're not going to be able to resell the tickets for anything worth what they've, you know, laid out on the line for this. So, yeah, I mean, and, you know, individual ticket sales are important that, you know, the big one is the corporate dollars. And when that starts heading for the exits, that's going to get Rocky Wirtz's attention and there are going to be changes, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, so we'll see, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens, how long it takes. You know, th- th- there's another sort of potential um, explanation for this. And that is, you know, that the Hawks are, are just managing the message in order to, uh, you know, improve their their leverage um, in, you know, trade discussions, et cetera. And that's possible, too, because um, I think I think a lot of fans the fans I hear from um, are feeling like, you know, they, they want this team to do something. They want to They want to see this thing change. They want to maybe make some big moves and, and maybe pay the price for making some big moves, you know, like like, you know, moving a, ba- a bad veteran contract. Um, and, you know, paying the price it, it takes to do that. Um, but uh, because, I, because I think everybody's looking at this team and saying, um, I, I, I really feel like what's going on is that the core has gotten old really fast. Um, and, you know, the, the guys who used to be the engine that drove this team are just not as good as they used to be, for the most part, with the exception of Kane. Yeah, or and, they're just uh, resting on their laurels and, uh, you know, not having, you know, thinking they don't have to work as hard. Right. You know, so. yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I, I I hesitate to think that a guy like Jonathan Taves isn't working as hard as he used to. Um, I don't know. Um, Keith is thirty five years old. You know, um, he's got he's got a lot of miles on that body, and uh, you know, Seabrook's thirty three. And I, I think I don't think there's any argument that Seabrook's lost at least half a step. You know. Um, so, oh, I mean, sure. I, but I think if, if the Hawks don't do anything, what they're going to do is the same thing they've done for the last several years, which is try to build something around those guys that complements them and and allows them to play their best. And and uh, that hasn't happened the last couple of years. It, just, yeah. it, it has. You know, and, and it's um, not that it can't be done. You get the right young players and you put them around, you know, an aging, uh, you know, core, ex- especially an experienced core who has won three Stanley Cups. Yeah. Uh, if you get the right combination, it can work for sure. You don't have to just totally break it down and, and unload every old person on this team, but you you have to, you, you know, you, you have to be able to do it, you know, precise, very precise. And uh, I'm not so confident that Stan Bowman can precisely do that. 
through you know drafting or whatever uh bringing in you know free agents which uh <clears throat> you know I don't, I don't he hasn't brought in a ton of free agents that 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 really uh make me excited you know in the past he hasn't well you know, i mean his job since 2009 has been basically to maintain yeah it hasn't been to build and um you know a couple of years 2013 2015 he did a really nice job of you know complementing the core that he inherited um, and you have to give him credit for that. But then there have been other years where he didn't do as nice of a job. And, you know, I, I listen, and I'm going to be fair. I mean, in 2016, when he went out and got Weiss and Fleischman, which has turned out to be a horrible trade for the team, I was all for it. And I'll still give him credit for it because what he was doing what you want a good GM to do. He was going all in to try to try to, you know, get the team as close as he could for a long playoff run. Um, it didn't work out. Uh, but I'm not going to fault him for that um, ever. Uh, it's it's more the um, you know again my my issue is more the these big contracts he kind of just you know handed out to anybody who walked into his office you know with with a no movement clause attached. Yeah, Richard to it. Panic. Yeah, and I mean all the way down the line, um, and just you know in a lot of cases he gave these out like six, nine, twelve months before the guy's contracts were up. Yeah, and I you know. That that's the problem. I mean, yeah. now because so, today they're hamstrung. Yeah. yeah. And, well, I, um, go ahead. No, I was to say, uh, I hope everyone enjoyed the the pieces I put together on the draft. Um, it took me a little while to get all the numbers and everything together with that, but it kind of laid out what you know where Bowman uh, Bowman stood or stands as far as like drafting and and yeah. and all this you know all this you know praise that he gets for the great drafts and and, and yeah. some people apparently uh can't read yeah, or didn't right. read so but uh <laughs> yeah so you two donkey dicks couldn't get laid in a morgue <laughs> so you know yeah. he he was okay at drafting forwards sure he was terrible at drafting defensemen and goalies and you have to be a little more well-rounded to to, to get that moniker of well you know, relatively, he 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 drafts very well. No, he doesn't, and that's and I proved it. So, you know, I I may t- take some time, and and I'm we're, I think we're gonna have a lot of time coming up in the next month or so to uh, examine you know some of the trades, waiver moves, things like that. And I was going through the list the other day, and I was just kind of looking at some of the names in there and uh, scratching my head on some of them, like what were what were you even expecting out of some of this stuff and it wasn't just trades it's uh some of these 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 weird uh mid-season uh waiver pickups that were just ugh, bad but anyway all right i don't want to keep repeating ourselves so i think we'll just wrap up this segment with with that i think uh we're pretty good we did get a couple of questions which i want to really thank everyone uh for putting questions in. Cause this was kind of a last minute thing that John and I threw together. So we kind of only had a little, you know, since this morning, but uh, we got some questions. Uh, so I'm going to lead it off here with Johnny Utah. Who's been our, our favorite uh, oh, yeah. Panarin for sad uh, trade, beat it into the ground. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we appreciate uh, him taking the time out to, to send us questions in. And we'll always take time to, to address what he has to say. So, uh, he says, I know I've talked a lot, or I know we, I know we have talked about this briefly on your podcast about trading Taze, but realistically, 
what kind of return do you think the Blackhawks could get for Taves? Over the past couple of years, uh, all we have heard since Saad went to Columbus was how much better Taves would be uh, with Saad, and Taves uh, was non-existent on the score sheet. Now we can, can we get an equal return, or are we looking at another Bickle situation? Uh, what do you think? Well, um, you know, I, I've, I, some people who, whose opinions I trust have said of that if, if Stan Bowman made Jonathan Taves available, there would be a fairly sizable line of, of suitors, um, even at ten and a half million dollars a year. Um, you know, and so, but it's really hard to say what the market would be for him. Um, because of the fact that he makes ten and a half million dollars a year, he's had a couple of unproductive seasons. Um, but he's, you know, when it comes to, <clears throat> you know, skins on the wall, and he's only thirty years old, and um, he still does some things very well. Um, you know, it's it, it, it. I just it's hard to say what that market would be. In my opinion, I don't see them trading him. Um, I think that they they value his leadership more than anything else right now um, that much. Uh, and, um, you know, what he means for the team on and off the ice. Um, I don't see them trading him. Yeah, that's uh, Mr. Mr. Laz today on their podcast was saying that he's going to retire a Blackhawk. I'm like, I wouldn't go that far. But yeah, it's hard to say. But. He, he, he'll, he'll be around for a while. I don't know. That you know, at the end of this, they they may not uh, you know unload him, but uh, that that's kind of a bold statement. And then he and he turned right around and said, "Well, I could see Patrick Kane, you know, at the end of his career, just ending up in Buffalo or something like that." And I I could I could see the reverse uh, with Kane being, you know, possibly the best Blackhawk in in the at the end of this being the best Blackhawk or the you know whatever. Uh, the highest scoring Blackhawk, I should say. Yeah. You know, of all time. So oh, I would see the opposite where they want to hang on to that guy and yeah. retire his number. Oh, he's and the retire. one probably right now that they'd be least likely to move. Yeah. Is Kane. But, you know. you know, hey, whatever. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's Laz. I'm dumb. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> so, <clears throat> Laz, back in your box. So the next question from Jason first line goon, uh, would it be a good, yeah. Would it be a good idea to target a needs a fresh start player like Max Domi? Would it be, or would the only way to get a top D man be to miraculously get rid of the Seabrook contract talking draft slash summer, not deadline. I'm not sure I understand the question. Well, the first one is would, would it, would it be a good idea to target a needs a fresh start type of player like Max Domi, which is kind of what they did with Duclair anyway? Yeah, sure. I mean, that's what I was saying about young players. If you're going to buy anything, you know, buy yeah. something young, yeah. it, you know, needs a fresh start or, you know, They're whatever. Lottery tickets. I mean, yeah. you know, the Bowman's made a lot of these deals. Richard Panic, David Runblad, um, uh, Duclair, um, and so far he's had pretty mixed if to not not great results i mean you know the thing about these these change of scenery guys is there's a reason they need a change of scenery <laughs> and a lot of times those reasons come with them in their in their luggage and um you know um yeah there's there's certainly some cases where those those trades happen and the guy really flourishes in his new surroundings but i think you i think it's a case of caveat emptor 
you know, buyer beware. Yeah. Um, uh, Max Domi. I mean, gosh, I don't know. I, I'd, I'd take a flyer on him. Yeah, I would, I would high. for sure. Um, but I think the price for Max Domi actually would be pretty high. Um, yeah. I, I think the, you know, John Chaka would, uh, would probably want quite a bit for him. And, um, you know, the Hawks, I don't know. I don't know if they, they don't really have much to give. And the fact of the matter is, if they're going to lose Seabrook's contract, they're going to have to give something to somebody to take Seabrook's contract. Yeah, and it's going to be more. It's going to be more than Tavo Teravainen. It's yeah, going to be like yeah. Tavo Teravainen plus another good player. Right, right. So I don't think the Hawks are really the the team that can go out right now and put together a really attractive package for a player like Max Domi. Um, I think it's 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 going to be more a case of you know. Um, Really, I think really clever and creative trading to try to get out from under a couple of these contracts and, you know, maybe find some under the radar guys to come in, um, you know, um, and maybe it's some more guys from Europe. You know, maybe maybe they need to really crank up the scouting in Europe even more so. Or the KHL. Yeah, or the KHL. I mean, there are good players over there. I'm not, you know, I'm not of the opinion and, and I've, you know made this well known that I'm not the, of the of the opinion that the KHL is the equal of the NHL but there are definitely NHL quality good players over there and yeah. if if you can you know pillage that league and and uh you know get a couple of players out of there sure do it why not you know you got to try something at this point in time but like you were saying before with the fresh start thing Sometimes they bring that, you know, they bring that baggage with them. Sometimes they need another fresh start like Richard Panic ended up needing. Where yeah. he got a fresh start uh, here it's, it's and then just, he needed a fresh start again. Yeah, so. it's it's a it's a it's a low percentage gambit. Um, you know, and again, I, I to me I think what the Hawks really need to do is figure out a way to A lose these these contracts that are, you know, killing them right now. A and then B, I think find a way either through the draft um, and they'll, they may get a shot at it this year um, or, um, you know, by some other means to get a couple of legitimate blue chip prospects, Um, you know, a couple of guys. And, you know, overall, I think as part of that too, is they need to get some guys who can with skill and size and speed, you know, they, they've got a a lot of small skilled players. Yeah. Um, but they've become a, a pretty much almost non-physical team. Yeah. And I know there are those out there who are devotees of soccer and baseball who, who think that hockey is, should be a non-physical sport. Um, you know, but anybody who's played the game will tell you that, you know, the, 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 the guys who are physical and good are the guys that win hockey games. Yeah. It's, it's just that simple. Yeah. And, um, you know, the NHL is, it's, that's, that's the nature of the game. Um, and so, you know, the best about it, I think I think that's what they've got to do with this team. And I, I, I wish there was an easy answer as to how to do it, but it feels like that's what they got to do to turn this thing around. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, our boy Martin Thornquist from uh, over oh, yeah. in Sweden put in a question. He said, "In what way does the age bracket make you think?" Now, or, or wait, in what way? Does the age bracket make, do you think? In 2009 and 10, 2008 and 9, uh, many of the forwards of the Hawks had similar ages, but average 25 to 24. Uh, now they have six forwards under 23. 
Most of the Hawks' long winning streaks have coincided with the circus trips. What do you think of the bonding of that? I think he's maybe kind of asking about what uh, about about the separation in age, maybe. What do we think of that? I think that's kind of what he's getting at. <clears throat> well, I mean, it can happen. Look at look at Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. They have an aging core with you know, say Latang, say Crosby, say Malkin, say Kessel. They have an aging core, but they have young guys that have come in and been able to fill slots and been very successful at it. The Blackhawks, it's questionable at this point in time. I, I, it just depends on the players, I guess. Yeah, the, the age the age issue is almost secondary. You know, I, I think that, uh, I mean, they did get younger over the summer, um, you know, just swapping out Murphy for Jomerson. Setting aside how good, relatively good the players were, yeah, they got younger. I mean, even even Saad is a year younger than Panarin, um, you know. But sorry, the age is. I mean, the age is important, but I, again, um, you know, again, people whose opinions I trust, you know, and I, if you really if you really break it down and you look at the last couple of years and how the Hawks became a team, an underwater possession team, the last couple of years, the issue really is the defense. Um, and uh, that's that's I think where they got to start is they they need a couple of really good young defensemen, and I I think that you know the Jordan Osterley experiment is is now I I guess people I think my point is I think people now see Osterley for what he is and he's really kind of a a, a six or seven defenseman sure he's uh, he's very good offensively he can play in the power play. But he has some real liabilities in his own end. He's, he's kind of reminds me a lot of a former Hawk, Nathan Dempsey, similar type of player. <laughs> you know? And you know, Dempsey had a long career, and you yeah. know, he was a good offensive defenseman, but he he had some some weaknesses defensively. And um, you know, then you've got uh, you know Seabrook, whose game has really regressed. Um, you know, Keith. He has not had a great year. He has not had a terrible year, but he has not had a great year, and he is 35 years old. Yeah. Um, and then you lost Jalmerson. You lost Johnny Oduya two years ago. And a lot of the, the guys that they brought in, hoping that they would kind of, you know, become replacements for those guys, or at least facsimiles thereof, um, Michael Kempney, uh, Connor Murphy, um, Gustav Forsling, it kind of really hasn't happened. Um, you know, meanwhile, you see other teams, you know, playing guys like, uh, you know, um, Adam Larson or Josh Manson, um, you know, and it, it's just it, it, the Hawks, the Hawks have really suffered on defense. And I, I my personal opinion is regardless of age, that's where they got to look at. They got it. They got to get at least one good, young stud defenseman in at least one and maybe two. Yeah. It, for sure they they need better they need better they need to get better on the back end and, yeah. and uh you know i heard some some whispers that are like oh well the forwards are okay well you know what the forwards need to be a little bit better too so yeah yeah you know I, there's a lot you can work with there i mean yeah. nick schmaltz is a talented player brandon sod is, is a talented player he's just he's having a bad year I just think the whole the whole psychology of the team is broken right now and that's something they're going to have to address in the off season but right. Um, there's, I think there's a fair amount of talent up front. They, they need another center too. That's yeah. another big need. Um, because after, after Taves, you, you really don't have anybody who's, I mean, I personally wonder if Schmaltz is going to be better at that wing in his career. 
Um, and Anisimov, I mean, everywhere he's been, they've tried him at wing because he's he's so bad in the in the faceoff dot, um, and so inconsistent. And um, you know, Tommy Wingles is not really a center; he's a wing. You know, so um, they're gonna they need another center. That too. Yeah. Well, they, yeah. Regardless of age. Yeah, and, <laughs> you, know, and you can't have a four and a half million dollar fourth line center either. So, right. That's what. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Anisimov. He can he can be great at times and he'll be great for for periods of time, but then he'll usually when he's playing with Patrick Kane. Yeah. So yeah, which which is not going to happen as often because you have Nick Schmaltz playing there now. So anyway, um, Billy the terrible Terrell, my boy. Uh, he said, "Is baiting Crow's return really just a PR stunt to sell tickets for the remainder of the season?" I think that's a resounding yes. Yeah. Or next year, or for people to, you know, re re up their tickets for next year. On top of that, um, Derek Ciavalis, who I actually, love this guy's comments on the Facebook page. Yeah, he he posts on the uh, on on the Facebook page. So I want to make sure that we uh, answer his question, which is why was Granado on the bench for the last three games? <clears throat> I mean, you got to think that they're trying to make you know do anything they can to make things work and him sitting up in the, you know, the press box and not having a, an actual voice on the bench. Just, uh, they, they tried to change things up a little bit, you know, to try to get the power play to work, to try to get everything to work a little bit better by, yeah, you know, knows. seeing what he can see instead of, you know, just being a voice in the coach's ear. So, yeah, I, 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 I don't know, except for the fact that I, I feel like, um, just again, I'm some things I'm starting to hear the last week or so, and I've, I've shared some of this with you, Gabe. I, yeah. it, there's there's some reason to believe that there's some dissatisfaction with with Coinville and the organization, and um, that situation may be changing. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've, I've said all along that maybe Kevin Denis was the next Blackhawks uh, head coach, but it could be Elf Samuelson. It could be Don Granado. Yeah, you it's know? hard to say. You know, for all for all for all intents and purposes, it could be Tony Granado. You yeah, know? it's hard to say. You know, any of those could be a possibility with all the ties that are going on. So, you know, they they could be. You know, it it could be a bump uh, bump Quenville up and and give him an honorary position like Scotty Bowman, and uh, you know, bump bump well, with, with the money and term left yeah. on his contract. Yeah. Um, I would, I would say, yeah, his, his being reassigned would be how that would play out. Yeah. So tell you what, Forsberg's playing a pretty good game. I'm, I'm watching out of the corner of my, my eye here. He's made some nice saves. Yeah. He's made a real nice one. Yeah. And, 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 and the Blackhawks could be up right now. Uh, I think it was, uh, maybe possibly Jordan Osterleg, uh, missed a wide open net. Yeah. And, uh, they, yeah. they got, they outshot him 14 to 10 in the first. Yeah. So, so this is all good. Yeah. This is all encouraging yeah so well we we have two final questions and, and i i think these are parody accounts i'm assuming um uh faxes from uncle lazarus at oh. real laz program so that's an interesting account uh i'm gonna reserve judgment on that one but is this talk about how all the blackhawks fans hate players and also about my book so um i don't i don't know what that's all about <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know about any books. Uh, and I don't know about, uh, I only don't... know about comic books. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, a- another favorite of, uh, 
who who seems to really like us, uh, Gordy Clifton, at oh, Gordy God. Clifton, <laughs> he asks, uh, oh. when will you two stop pestering me to guests on your podcast? I don't work small rooms. <laughs> uh, well, for those of you who uh, who don't aren't uh, acquainted with the phenomenon of Gordy Clifton, he's some kind of uh, wannabe Vegas entertainer. Um, Apparently with a bad drinking and cocaine problem. Um, <laughs> and apparently likes to indul- indulge in the loose ladies. <laughs> yeah, there's that too. Yeah, um, so it's at Gordy Clifton. So if anyone wants to go follow him <laughs> and, and you could go follow at real Laz program as well. Uh, whatever that's all about. I, I don't know yeah, what's going on. Hey, Blackhawks scored. Yeah. Look at that. Hey, <laughs> Just as yeah. we're about ready to close up shot, the Blackhawks scored. On power play, no less. Yeah, and the power play. Duncan Keith. What? Duncan Keith. Holy shit. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Pull the season. Yeah, there you go. That may awesome. save the Blackhawks season. <laughs> no, it won't. <laughs> Man, this guy's freaking delusional. <laughs> Thanks, Laz. Back in your box, my friend. Uh, yeah. He finally got a shot through from the point. Let's see. Yeah, got it through. It probably it had to be tipped, right? Nope. Nope, he beat him. Long shot. And and who's in front of the net? Tommy Wingles. <laughs> you know, I yeah, I'm I'm a little biased because he's a uh he's a friend of my of my nephew. Yeah. And uh but uh I have no issue with Tommy Wingles. I don't I really either. Don't, I mean, if you use him if you use him where he belongs, that's fine. It, it's, if you want to keep Tommy Wingles, bring him back, that's fine. It's a good story. Uh, well, as a, as a fourth line winger yeah. and, and a penalty killer, I yeah. mean you could do a lot worse than Tommy Wiggles, especially for $700,000 a year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could see him bringing him back next year. That's fine. And, and I don't care. That's fine. You know, you don't have to, it doesn't have to all be young guys. And if you're going to put, you know, use them as a, in, in, as a situational player, that's fine by me. So. It's hard. It's really hard to believe he's almost 30 years old too. I mean, I remember when he was 19 playing at Miami. It seems like he's been around forever to me. <laughs> He's been around for a while, you know, but yeah, it's just, it's hard for me to imagine it. Cause like, like I said, he, he grew up playing hockey with my nephew and, um, anyway. Yeah. But, uh, all right, well, yeah. let's wrap this. Let's wrap oh. this up. So we can get to this game. No more questions from Gordy. <laughs> no, just, uh, he, he wants us to stop pestering him to be on the podcast. I didn't uh, know we were pestering him. Were we? I, I don't know, <laughs> uh, but apparently he thinks we are. So maybe, maybe that's the cocaine anything. and the booze talking. That's what I'm saying, man. He may be hallucinating. Yeah, I think so. So, uh, well, that said, you can find all of our wonderful content on www-the-rank.com. You can find us on the popular social media at The Rink Official. You can find The Rinkcast account at The Rinkcast. Uh, you can find all of my musings on the Twitter machine at Puck and Hostel. You can find uh, my my close friend here, Mr. Jekyll, at Jekyll, J-A-E-C-K-E-L. Uh, if you get a chance, please over, head over to iTunes, rate and review us. Please subscribe if you li- li- like listening to us. Even if you don't listen, just subscribing works us up the ratings. Um, I uh, just want to uh, one more time plug Mario Tarabasi, our boy, Mario underscore Tarabasi yes. for jumping in, and puckhockey.com. That's P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y dot com using that uh, discount code, the rink. Uh, we got plenty of nice stuff. I'm going to be putting in another order and hopefully real soon before the Blackhawks get eliminated, we will have our rink gear uh, out on their website. So uh, we'll be ready for that. 
You got any yes. plugs you want to uh, shout out? Um, not at present, although my friend, uh, my good friend, um, Tyler Cameron, um, has, uh, has written a book. Ty, uh, is a, is from Toronto and he's a young guy and, uh, he wrote a book about, uh, about getting married that, um, I've forgotten the title of it, so it's not a very good plug, Ty, but, um, <laughs> when, when it was actually, it's about to be published and available. And when it is, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, tell the fans about that because it sounds like it's, it's really good. And Ty's a, Ty's a good kid. He's a good writer. He actually writes a, a blog, a well-known blog, um, on the Hawks under a different name. And, uh, um, so, um, but, uh, we'll talk about that when, when the time comes and, uh, no, I mean, other than that, no, um, that's it. That's all I got. Cool. All right. Got a blog up here in a minute with uh, a little bit more on the Montreal rumor and, uh, um, so, and it looks like, you know, the, the rumors are going to start heating up here the next couple of weeks. Oh, and just, just as you say that Patrick Kane in on a breakaway gets stopped. (sighs) It was a two on none, no less. He had a trailer behind him from, uh, I don't know who was behind him, but yeah. So Wingles is playing with sodden tapes. Yeah. (laughs) We never thought we'd see that at the beginning of the season. It's just so funny. You hear these people talking about how, you know, it's not the player's fault. Coinville's just tried the wrong combinations. What combination has he not tried? Yeah. He's trying to make something happen. I'll give him that credit. He's trying to make something happen, but anyway. All right. Well, let's close this, close this thing down. So, uh, Thanks for taking out the time of your or taking the time out of your busy schedules to download, listen, and support us. Until next episode, see you on the rink.